Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, you, with a rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200-square-foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down mortgage option, my human realized a new home was within reach, and I only gave her puppy eyes once. Get your human to talk to a mortgage consultant or learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed-rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Equal housing lender. NMLS R.I.D. 399801. The lock says what you're going to do when the 24... No, wait, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Hold on, that's not it. Oh, this is it. This is it. To be the man, woo, you got to beat. No, wait, that's not it. That's not it. Oh, this is it. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What you mean? Ooh, yeah. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and Fan Rag Sports, and I am joined by Benjamin Solak of NDT Scouting and Bleeding Green Nation, also the co-host of the Lockdown Eagles Podcast. Notice I didn't say Kyle Krabs because he has been replaced today. That's right. Mr. Benjamin Solak, welcome back for your uh, double dip here, back-to-back Fridays to help us preview the weekend ahead. Kyle's traveling. This guy's got the one hell of a road trip. He's doing uh, UNC Pittsburgh. Uh, he did that Thursday night. Friday, he's doing Temple, Cincinnati, and Saturday, Louisville, Virginia. So he's got the triple header, three cities, three different nights, three games uh, before heading back to his home in Philadelphia at the end of that. And as you may have guessed, our schedules did not sync up, so we went to the bullpen. And we brought in the best reliever in the business, Mr. Solak. How are we doing today? Oh, every day is a good day to be alive, Joe. I'm happy to be back. You know, just uh, just coming in relief pitching. The you know the hero the draft dudes uh, draft dudes deserve. Maybe not the hero the draft dudes need, but anyway, it's a good time to be back. And uh, I mean, last time I uh, last time I was you, and so I had to get the uh, the uh, the number for the day. But this time I'm Kyle, so I've got I got to try. The, uh, this is my first live take at the sip, so we'll see how this goes. You ready? Oh. Gosh, I can't do it, man. I don't know how he makes that. Sound. That was terrible. That was so I, bad, Ben. I don't have anything with a straw. That's my problem. I think that's how he pulls it off. <laughs> I don't not, know. You're not getting a second take at that either. That that's going to be uh, one of the uh, audio archived moments of the Draft Dudes podcast. Is you setting us up for the sip, and then you <laughs> you sound like you're blowing through a straw or something. That was bad. Nobody can replicate Kyle Krabs, man, and and you can even hear him sneering when he gets the sip. You know, you can hear the smirk inside of it. I, I can't pull that off. He, it, it's too good. It's because the guy does it all day long. You know, <laughs> it's it's not like it's not like everybody jokes around and they put a Kermit the Frog meme on something. No, this guy like lives it. This is what he does, man. I'm telling you, he he he's into it, and he's I I just envision Kyle at all times with a beverage, ready to sip at every given moment, and uh, you can't tell me anything otherwise. 
No, I, I believe it. From from all the work I've done with Kyle, that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> I hear you, man. I'm, I think I'm going into like year three or something of working with Kyle. And I mean, we're at the point now where I know his nap schedule. You know what I mean? Like we're <laughs> that we're that much in concert all day long talking. Uh, so uh, yes, yes, it's true. Uh, ben, we we talked about what we're going to talk about today, um, but before we do, I got I got to put you on the spot. Okay. Oh dear. Uh, I've got five questions for you, and all right, you're a witty guy, so I know you can handle them. They're mostly football related. They're all okay. things that you know about, but I want to give you like a a question and then hit me with a quick response. Don't. Think, all right, we don't, we don't do something it. similar on Locked On Eagles, so I, I'm ready. Okay. All right. So the first one, I'm going to give you a layup, and, and again, Ben Solak. Co-host Locked On Eagles does great work for Bleeding Green Nation, so he is well versed on the Philadelphia Eagles. So the first question I have, got, or uh, or Ben, excuse me, how does it feel to have the most indispensable football player in the NFL as the quarterback of your favorite team, Carson Wentz? It's it's equal parts awesome and, and just gosh darn terrifying. And obviously, it's awesome because we're at the point now where you know Carson's situational stats in his first year were weren't the best you know he wasn't able to really uh win any close games he was about one one in five one in seven i think it's the number somewhere there as far as games decided by one possession but this year we've really seen him perform very well in the clutch and so that's exciting you know we're reaching that point it's still early you know we want to see some you know this continue over time but we're kind of reaching the point where we can say you know we've always got a chance with 11 on the field which is great but it's also equal parts terrifying because when you've got a player like that and especially, you know, Carson likes to lower his shoulder and, and uh, dish out some hits when he's running the football. Carson likes to stay in the pocket a little bit too long for my liking. Carson does not like to throw the football away. Uh, you worry, you know, because if he goes down, it's scary. You know, Nick Foles was an NFL starter not a few years ago. He's, he's one of the best backups in the league, and the Eagles are paying him like it. But he's got nothing on the way that Carson plays. And so just last week in the Denver game, you know, the, the Eagles beats kind of reported from the press box, oh, he's got a... Carson's got an ice pack on his throwing shoulder, and it was like DEFCON 5 for like two minutes, and then he went back out, we were fine. But, you know, it, it, it's equal parts great and, and just absolutely terrifying. But, but you're with me, right? So there's the Dak truthers, the Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. truthers. Uh, there's, uh, who else? Marcus Mariota truthers, Jared Goff truthers. But you're with me, it's Wentz. No, absolutely. In, okay. this, in the sense that, yeah, like right now, you could convince me that Dak's playing better football right now. You could convince me that Mariota is, is playing better football within the system he's got. But as far as ceiling goes, it's Wentz. And, and that's, that, to me, that's indisputable. Uh, I just came up with another question. So this will be a six-pack, and I'm going to work it in right here. Eagles 8-1 and one, seems like it's a, a terrific start to the season. What's the one thing that's been disappointing, though? There, it, can't, it can't all be peaches and cream. Absolutely. And I think the answer to that question is Alshon Jeffrey, simply because now he had a big game. And when we saw some of the highlights, two touchdown game against the Broncos in this past week. But Alshon hasn't put forward a 100 yard game since the first week of 2016. And uh, incidentally, that coincides with the same uh, 100 yard game of Jordan Matthews, who the Eagles sent on over to Buffalo, you know, your bills. But Jeffrey as a, you know, there's a debate amongst Eagle fans, Eagles, Eagles pundits saying, oh, does Jeffrey have you know, such gravity that he draws such defensive attention that's really helping open up the offense for Zach Ertz and for Nelson Aguilar. And and to me, when I go to the tape, I don't see it. Uh, Jeffrey has just struggled to beat one-on-one coverage. He's not much of a separator. When he does separate, it's pretty much always offensive pass interference, and it just depends on whether or not it gets called. Uh, and then he's, his contested catch rate hasn't been as good as it has been in past years. Now, that's a bit of a regression. I think it's coming back up to the normal. You know, it's tough to always come down with those consistently. But I just simply think that the way Doug Peterson runs his offense, you know, quote unquote, very college, very spread style of offense, it doesn't really funnel through a a number one wide receiver. You know, Alshon isn't always a part of the progression. You know, Alshon is often a distraction. And so he hasn't really put up wide receiver one numbers. The Eagles have a big question left, you know, because he's he's a free agent. He was on a one year deal. So he's a free agent this year. They got to figure out how valuable is he and can they get a similar amount of production from him from somebody else. So Alshon's been a little bit eh, but besides that, uh, peaches and cream is a good way to put it. (laughs) Well, and the interesting thing with Alshon is like they did with Timmy Jernigan, which is not really in the fold anymore, is you set yourself up for a comp pick, right? So ideally, somebody right. believes in Alshon, gives him a bunch of money, and you're netting a third or a fourth round pick uh, for trying him for a season that turned out to be great. 
The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, oh, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Absolutely, yeah. All right, next question. You mentioned my bills. I'm going to give you the chance to take one player, <clears throat> one player off the roster, and he could become a Philadelphia Eagle tomorrow. Who are you taking? I mean, there's probably better choices, but I want Shady back, and I've wanted Shady back since the moment Shady was traded away for Kiko Alonso, which I'll never forget. Well, I was in my kitchen, you know, like, I don't know, doing homework. I was in high school when this happened. I, I don't think I did anything for the rest of the day. Like, I couldn't <laughs> handle it. Like, two of my three jerseys were LaShawn McCoy jerseys, all right? Like, I was – he was one of these, like, the first players that I just straight knew everything about. I could rattle off, you know, the high school and all the stats and everything. And, you know, the Eagles don't need him anymore. I understand that. Cordy Glenn is probably the better solution there. You know, bring in a left tackle, a guy who can, who can help because that's where the Eagles' biggest weakness is right now, you know. But at the end of the day – I miss, you know, Shady in Philadelphia and Midnight Green. That was it, man. That was like the franchise, and I lost that. I want that back. So you went you went hard over mine there, huh? With, with... Oh. Like yeah, you... no, I mean, I went I went hard over mine. When your team's 8-1, Joe, you kind of have the uh, okay. luxury. Of, All right, yeah, it must <laughs> be nice. You, you're taking a kicker in the first round over here. Uh, no, you know, I'll say this about LaShawn McCoy. One thing I didn't expect from him, obviously he's been sensational for the Bills. I didn't think he was going to be such a great, community locker room teammate type of guy. And you can mm-hmm. tell that he has uh, really blossomed into that leadership role and that he has really blossomed into that uh, community guy that I didn't really know that much about him. And, and so I kind of had my perception of him, but it was far from the reality. So uh, Shady's been great. Uh, let's move through these last three that I have for you. Looking at the draft eligible quarterbacks for this coming uh, season. You gotta pick one right now. Who are you picking? I'm picking Lamar, and, and w- with a big caveat because Baker Mayfield was last on my list of senior quarterbacks to get into, and I, I'm only about a third of the way through his charting, and so I haven't really had the chance to fully, you know, immerse myself into uh into into the Baker experience. But uh, man, you know, Lamar Jackson's numbers, as far as my charting goes, are are perfectly acceptable they pass every threshold that you want from a true passer and then the running ability is absolutely electric and i'll tell you without context i want to bring in lamar jackson because i can do the most with him you know as far as year one just creating something in the sense that you know if i'm if i'm a team like you know uh, let's see you know, like the Giants, right? Giants might need to bring in a new quarterback this year. Now, they've got the offensive weapons. They've got some of the defensive pieces where they could bring in, you know, a, a certain style of quarterback because they know what their offense is going to look like moving forward. They know what their team direction is going to be moving forward, and they can set them up. But if I'm going blank slate, you know, I, I might have to rehash everything, bring in new weapons, cough, cough, Cleveland Browns. <clears throat> Lamar Jackson has game-changing ability. He has unbelievable ability, and, and you know, with the way that offenses are changing in the NFL, I know that I can get production out of him right away. Interesting choice. Um, okay, I got two more for you. The next one, you have to have a jersey of a non-Philadelphia Eagles player, another NFL player. Who is it going to be? It really, it should be theoretic because every uh, fantasy championship I've ever won has been on the heels of drafting theoretic in like round 17 and then just starting him in PPR formats and, and destroying the earth. I always, whenever folks ask me, you know, who's your favorite player that's not on the Eagles, then, you know, I usually end up going with theoretic. But uh, I wanted to shout a Watson jersey oh, because, man. right, because, and I talked about this on the, on the past pod in the sense that, you know, my grading system didn't favor Watson too highly. He was my quarterback three. He was still a top 50 player. I still had him as absolute starter potential. But, you know, firstly, what a dude. What a guy with the way that, you know, the, all the stuff he's done for the community of Houston, the way that he's giving back, you know, the story, obviously, with, with how his house came through and worked on and everything like that. But then also, I mean, dude's a winner. Dude's, you know, dude's just hardcore. Like, I want to be wearing number four. I want to be wearing Watson on my back. You know, I think about the the gift that Mark Schofield always posts with him in the arrow, right? He's just mm-hmm. a killer. He's cold-blooded, and I love that. Yeah, good choice. Um, okay, last one. 
Moe's or Chipotle, Ben? Where, where are we getting a burrito? Oh, we already know this. I so I uh, I paid my way through high school with the money from the good people at uh, at, at Moe's Southwest Grill. I love Moe's absolutely. See, and this is how I always explain it. If you just want you know yourself like a like a pretty basic run of the mill burrito, right? Then Chipotle or Moe's. It comes down to your personal preference. Whatever you know, beans, rice. Put the meat in there. Get some guac. Good stuff. Move on. But the moment you want to expand your Mexican horizons beyond just a plain old burrito, <laughs> Moe's is taking home that W. Yeah. You know I'm right. They got more oh. salsa. They got better guac. They got better queso. They got quesadillas. You got stacks. You got tacos. Everything yeah. outside of the periphery. So if if you're just you know, oh, all I want is a burrito. If you're white bread like that, then go to Chipotle. Have a good time. Me, I'm gonna get creative over at Moe's. And you know what really clinched it is the queso mm-hmm. that that Moe's or the queso that Chipotle rolled out. Right, is not edible. It's it's chalky trash. Like no, I cannot believe terrible. they're selling that to people. It's awful. It's just it's it's a simple disgrace. As a man who, for many many times, put that thing of queso in the the you know prepared it with with love and care in a Moe's uniform. It's just it you know it hardly passes as queso. It's it's a disgrace. Ben, let's move on here. We are 166 days away from the 2018 NFL draft, and I have two numbers today for us. Uh, right. One one in spirit of the Philadelphia Eagles. And oh, thank one, you. one that is just a fun statistic. The first one, uh, keeping in tune with the 166, David Akers, Philadelphia Eagles kicker. 166 points is the most scored in an NFL season that didn't include touchdowns. So uh, mm-hmm. there you go. 2011, David Akers having a hell of a season. Um, the other one that I have for you isn't quite as glamorous. Uh, 166 is the amount of career fumbles that one Brett Favre had from 1991 wow. to 2010. The man fumbled the ball 166 times. Nobody's ever done it more. That's incredible. You said 91 to 2010, so that's 20 seasons? Yeah. So he fumbled the ball over eight, he fumbled the ball 8.3 times a season. Yep. 160. I mean, think about think about a, I mean, that's just a lot. Like just count to 166. It's going to take you a while. <laughs> and that's how many times Brett Favre let the football go. I mean, that's just – I mean, think about the interceptions too. Now, those aren't all lost fumbles, right? Right. So, but still, he coughed it up that many times. I, I mean, I understand that there's, there's a, a sample size here that's really large, but still that's a big number. Yeah, it just sounds weird to hear it out loud, right? Like, you're like, all right, Brett Favre fumbled the football a lot. Like, how many times do you think he fumbled it? Like, what, like 100, 110, I would guess? Like, maybe 115? 166 just sounds, like, astronomical. I'll be honest. If you said, Joe, guess how many times Brett Favre fumbled in 20 years? I might have said 50 to 75. Really? All right. I, I, I guess my watching of Carson Wentz would help me get over 100 quickly oh. because Carson <laughs> Carson's the sort of quarterback where he'll lose five fumbles a year, but he'll drop, like, 28. Right, because he's just constantly trying to break tackles with one hand in the pocket because he's an idiot. So I, I guess like that gives me some perspective, but still, 166 is impressive. And I may be jaded because I, you know, I watched Tyrod Taylor as my quarterback, and, and mm-hmm. that man is not turning over the ball ever. Yeah, and so no, <laughs> that's kind of what's fun about Tyrod is is you know he's got his limitations as as a passer, but good lord, he never turns it over. And so uh, it's nice to know that you're he's just. Maybe not going to hit every throw you want him to, but he's never going to give it to the other team. Uh, mm-hmm. Ben, we've got a weekend ahead in college football that is very pivotal for the playoff standings and uh, always from an NFL draft scouting perspective. And so let's dig into this weekend. It's week 11. The The full slates of Saturday games are quickly dwindling down. We will not be able to do this for much longer. So let's get the people ready for the recliner. On Saturday, hopefully you're not moving. Plant your ass in your seat at about 11.45 at the latest. Make sure you watch uh, Lee Corso's helmet gear prediction, and then you, you watch football until you your eyes bleed. And if you do anything else on Saturday, you're doing it wrong. Um, That's true. So here's my Saturday. Let me let me get my scouting trip out of the way. I already teased Kyle's, which is a hell of a, hell of a trip. I am heading to Columbia, South Carolina to see the South Carolina Gamecocks take on the Florida Gators. That game... Uh, is looking a lot different than I expected it to be yeah. when I applied for those credentials. Obviously, Florida is in shambles with the firing of Jim McElwain and the the, the showing that they had last week against Missouri. 
Uh, so I expect South Carolina to win this game, but for me, it's it, the the that piece of it's always secondary. I'm always there for an NFL draft scouting purpose, and and so from the Florida side of things, my eyes go right to that defense, and it's Taven Bryant, the the defensive mm-hmm. tackle. I mean, this guy's a monster, Ben. I don't know if you got a chance to see him or not, but if you like physical dudes that can win with their hands and 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 play powerful and play forward through blocks into the backfield. Uh, yeah, this is your guy. I mean, uh, there's some some, char- some stylistic comparisons out there to J.J. Watt. And th- now, that's never safe, right, to say something like that. Yeah. But you can see it. I mean, the guy's an animal. And so I'm excited to see him uh, live and in person. Obviously, Duke Dawson, the cornerback from Florida. Yeah. Uh, he's a player, right? I mean, um, I, I'm not sure if he's a slotter or an outside guy at the next level, but his combination of ball skills, he's sticky in coverage, he tackles. Uh, you know, he's he's looking like a really, really solid, probably day two uh, cornerback option at the next level. Um also on this Florida team is Martez Ivy, a big five-star recruit guard who's now playing tackle, and, and he is up and down. You know, he's not really dominating yeah. out there at tackle. But, you know, I like to see him in person and see how he moves and see his length and uh, see, you know, kind of formulate my own opinion. One more guy back to defense. I should have thought of this guy automatically was a CC Jefferson, their uh, defensive end, another five-star mm-hmm. guy who's had his moments, not super consistent, but he does lead this team in pressures. And so uh, anxious to see him rush the passer. Flip the script here to South Carolina. Jake Bentley, the quarterback, is always very intriguing. He's up and down, but he's got an NFL skill set, a big arm, and uh, he makes some really good reads, and I like I like his mental processing. I like the way he sees the field. I got a chance to do the Arkansas game a few weeks ago, so I got a chance to kind of see – uh, the you know, the in the entire field and how he reads it and how he knows where the safeties are and aren't and hits them where they're soft and and I really like how Jake Bentley does that. Hayden Hurst, a tight end, is an NFL football player, maybe a starting tight end. Uh, he's he's a good a good pass catcher. He's athletic and he's got good ball skills. And then Sky Moore, uh, you know, he's a fun linebacker. We've talked to him about him a lot here on the show. Yeah. But big time player in space, really good in coverage. He's got like 13 career interceptions. And uh, and so if you're looking for these space players that can play all every down at the next level, you know that that's going to be a guy that's very intriguing. Absolutely, I, I want to see Hurst put out a good game because I've watched South Carolina twice now uh, for NDT. One of them being that first week against NC State, and then later in the year against Tennessee. And in those two games, he's had two total catches. And I'm waiting for somebody this tight end class to really jump out. And so I'm hoping to see a good Hurst performance. This is going to be a fun game for Dawson, though. I, and I like Duke Dawson a lot there, that Florida corner. And he's got a tough test. You know, if when he's on the outside, he's got Brian Edwards, right? And 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 he's an absolute monster. That sophomore receiver for South Carolina and then obviously Debo Samuel he's out he's returning to school next year it's a shame that would have been a real fun matchup but South Carolina does have a little jitterbug at slot receiver in Shai Smith he's another young receiver he's not draft eligible yet but he's twi- he's twitchy he's quick and so wh- whether Deucin- Dawson's in the slot or Dawson's outside he's going to have a matchup that's going to be tough now I'm looking I'm going Pac-12 to start we've got number nine Washington visiting Stanford obviously Washington's kind of in control of their own destiny here when you look at the playoffs you know they're in a win and they're in situation and they're catching Stanford at a pretty good time because Bryce Love is still trying to fight his way back from an ankle injury and I don't think he's at 100% yet you know his game against Washington State which Stanford lost you know he had he ripped off a big one in the second quarter but a nice 50 yard touchdown but besides that he was pretty quiet and and he didn't get into the rhythm that he likes to get into he didn't see the number of touches that he usually does and you know the washington state run defense was good well washington's is the best you know they're allowing 2.5 uh yards per carry which is the best in the pac-12 uh 91 yards per game on the ground which is sixth in the nation they've only allowed three rushing touchdowns right and so if you want to if if you're trying to find a game to watch bryce love and to see kind of you know what's great about him this may not be the one because he's, uh, you know, he's he's not a full health, and then he's also, you know, he's going to be up against a stout front in Washington. Now, there's some other there's some other, uh, you know, conversations to be had through the air. You've got, you know, two members of the Stanford secondary. I really like, uh, you know, we've got Quentin Meeks, who we know, you know, national scout for NDT scouting. Jonah Tolls is real big on Quentin Meeks, corner out of Stanford. He's a junior, and he's got senior wide receiver Dante Pettis. That's a real fun matchup because as far as cerebral players at their position go, I think this is this is this is the cream of the crop. You know, Dante Pettis is one of the more nuanced, one of the more detailed wide receivers you're going to see in college, and Meeks is a film rat. You know, he has great anticipation, so that's fun to watch. But then quietly, in in that Stanford secondary, 
is a junior uh, safety who I've talked about a lot, Justin Reed. Now, he's he's the younger brother of Eric Reed, who's playing safety slash linebacker for the, for the Niners right now. Really smart player. Great instincts. You know, they, they, they he's going to be more of a box safety in the NFL, but they play him single high. And he's been called for multiple offensive pass interferences that I, or excuse me, defensive pass interferences that I've seen that weren't DPI. He just got there so early because he knew what was happening. And the refs didn't know how to handle it, right? Like, he's he's making plays he should not be making, right? Incredibly instinctive player. Sees the field very well. And, and he's physical. He's good in man coverage. And he's got a tough test against these Stanford tight ends. They've got uh, uh, Redshirt Jr. and Dalton Schultz. And then another, they got a sophomore, Caden Smith, who's huge. <laughs> so Justin Reed's got some work to do there. But my biggest watch for this one, my, my eyes immediately go to the linebackers for this Huskies defense. You know, the heart and the soul there. Two Redshirt seniors in Azeem Victor and Keisha. I actually wrote a post about them, one of my first for NDT scouting, talking about these two guys because they play very different styles. Azim Victor, a much more patient. You know, he's a little bit of a smaller player. He's a little bit quicker. Uh, he doesn't have the straight line explosiveness, but he's, he's a patient. He likes to see it develop. He doesn't react as quickly, but he's got great sideline to sideline range. He's got a pretty good tackle radius. Then Bieria, on the other hand, is, is instinctive, aggressive. He sees you move. He's attacking downhill, powerful striking, and he can get into trouble, right? But, but I think I like his reaction skills a little bit better. As far as right now, I have the area higher anytime i can get linebackers against the stanford offensive line and the stanford rushing attack i get excited because the stanford runs all those pulling guards all those different type of sweeps all those delayed sort of things you need to be really true to your reads you need to really trust your eyes as a linebacker to play this stanford rushing attack well stanford's got a, a guard in david bright who i like they like to pull him and run behind him so victor and Bieria are gonna have to meet him in the whole play with physicality but i'm i want to watch those two husky linebackers and see who can really diagnose this this more you know quote unquote pro style of running this power style of running i want to see who can diagnose it better of the two ben you have got the people ready for the friday night matchup <laughs> so yes, nice sir. nicely done sir hey and, and, and washington is a six point favorite right now and i like i'm smashing that because if bryce love isn't 100 i don't see how they don't hang on hang on double digits on stanford so if, you, if you're a bad person friday night's a good night to cash in remember if you lose money also ben solak uh, at benjamin solak on uh, that's Kyle Krabs at NDT Scouting. That's, that's what it says in the description, man. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's move along here. Uh, Florida State and Clemson, 3.30 game on the East Coast. Um, man, this game is not what we thought it would be going into the season, right? Yeah. This Florida State team is 3-5, and five, Ben. Shame. What is shame. going on? Now, here's a secondary storyline here. Clemson is 8-1. and one. If they win this game, they win that division. Do you think there's anything more that Florida State – wouldn't want to do in a year that they're probably not even going to go to a bowl game than to spoil uh, Clemson securing that division title. So don't think you're not going to see a very inspired Florida State team who's loaded with talent. They just, you know, their offensive line's bad. They've got a young quarterback. And they're not, you know, they're just, they're not playing well together. So, but don't think that they don't have the athletes capable of beating Clemson. Now, from a scouting perspective, um, I really go to the secondary here, looking at Clemson's wide receivers, Florida State's defensive backs. Tavares McFadden came into this season as what I thought was a blue-chip cornerback prospect. Really dominated with his ball skills last season. A ton of production, breaking away the football, intercepting the ball. This year, he's not doing that at all. He has no interception. He has five pass breakups, and he's been targeted, I think, something like 80 times. It's just not there. And... Yeah. Also, he's not tackling well, so he's passing up moments to be physical. And so, you know, you, you look at a guy that can play the football and that's his redeeming quality. Maybe you overlook the tackling and physicality. Well, now he's not showing either one. And so, you know, I'm concerned with, with Tavares McFadden. And he's got a chance now to go up against Deion Kane, who, you know, is a guy that uh, has had some success stretching the field. He's a big play guy. He's doing more this year in terms of working all levels of the field. And so this would be a really nice test for him. And then we also know Ray Ray McLeod, Hunter Renfro. I mean, there, there's going to be plenty of NFL caliber receivers that McFadden's going to be lined up against. So if they move guys around, he's going to be tested. And so I think this is a really important game for his resume. If McFadden's thinking about coming out, then he needs to, I mean, he needs to really turn it on here these last four games for them. Uh, also Derwin James, you know, I, I teased this a little bit on Wednesday when Derwin, you know, Kyle and I did this mock draft and Derwin James fell to like pick 20, 
two or three to the Tennessee Titans. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Why, why is Derwin James here? And, and I think, I think there's, there's some criticism that he deserves. He's missed some tackles. I get that, but he's also made some tackles. He's more times than not. He's shown his ability to square up in space and make physical plays and, I think his concerns this year are overstated. They're moving him around a lot. He's playing a lot of different positions, and he's filling a lot of different roles. And I still think that this is a top half of the first-round player. You know, mm-hmm. Everyone can just go ahead and sleep on him, and, and if he declares and comes out, everyone will say he missed a tackle against NC State, gave up a, fo- a touchdown. But uh, you, you, know, you can only gripe on that for so long. The guy's making plays. He still shows the movement skills that – that I appreciate. I think he's moving really well. I think he's explosive. I think he's covering distance and ground really well. So um, let's not sleep on Derwin James. His, I think his criticisms are really overstated against Clemson. You know, they've got the receivers that I mentioned and they've got some running backs there and Feaster and Natine that uh, will give him chances. I'm, I assure you to make plays in space. So uh, I'll be very curious to see that matchup on the defensive line for Florida state. You've got Josh sweat at defensive end going up against Mitch Hyatt, offensive tackle for Clemson, who's been a starter there since his, you know, since he walked onto campus. And I think he's been up and down this year a lot, Mitch Hyatt. And you know, Josh mm-hmm. Sweat's going to be a good measuring stick to see where he is because you know, Josh Sweat's going to bring it in terms of his run defense. He's going to really be aggressive to initiate contact in the neutral zone and reset the line of scrimmage and set a firm edge and you know, not be moved. Uh, so you know, we'll see what type of power – uh, Mitch Hyatt brings to the table on Saturday, and then also the pass rushing, where you know, I think that Sweat doesn't have a lot of the bend. That I think he's lost a lot of his flexibility through some of the injuries he's dealt with, but still he knows how to soften rush angles, and he knows how to win with power, and he's got enough burst. So I think this is a really good challenge for a player like, uh, you know, like a for a player like Mitch Hyatt going up against Josh Sweat. Both of them have a real opportunity here to to make a statement. Derek Noddy, defensive tackle from Florida State. Uh, yeah. He's a guy that uh, you know I think I think is one of the best power players in this draft, and so you know he'll get a chance to go up against Tyron Crowder, uh, a prospect over there at right guard for Clemson, and he'll have a chance to to show some of his movement skills, some of his lateral mobility against this Clemson uh, offense, which will force him to play a little bit horizontal. So excited to see that. So when I think about this Clemson Florida State game, you know that's. That's where my eyes go. You know, how does this Florida State defense stack up against this Clemson offense? Now, we can obviously talk for a long time about Clemson's front seven and, and you know, Cam Akers and Jacquez Patrick and Auden Tate. But really, for me, this comes down to Florida State defense against Clemson offense. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family that's music to my ears plus now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online pick up in store it's fun fast and free styles that take center stage and free pickup in store when i buy online old navy here we come high fashion old navy about 720 to 729 select styles only you've reached the high fashion hotline hi my family's going to a concert in the park and we want our style to be the main attraction rock over to old navy old navy yep right now get up to 50 percent off jeans from 15 bucks for adults 10 bucks for kids at old navy and old navy.com up to 50 percent off jeans for the family that's music to my ears plus now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online pick up in store it's fun fast and free styles that take center stage and free pickup in store when i buy online old navy here we come high fashion old navy about 720 to 729 select styles only that's Absolutely. And I'll drop one more name on that Florida State defense because I've been I've been banging the table since the end of twenty sixteen. Matthew Thomas, they've got a linebacker there who he was a five star recruit. You know, he's a little bit of an edge linebacker, sort of a hybrid guy, six foot three, two hundred thirty pounds, and his career has just been destroyed. By injury, we're talking ankle injury in 2014, shoulder injury in 2015, academic ineligibility in 2015, missed the entire season, right? So he's just barely been able to put out any consistent tape, but the athletic ability is undeniable. It's just incredible closing burst, great instinctual player. I love watching him play. He reminds me you know, storyline-wise, kind of draft path-wise, of Alex Anzalone out of Florida last year a little bit in the sense that the natural talent was undeniable, and you were just asking yourself, where am I willing to risk taking this guy, right? And then the Saints end up grabbing Anzalone, and he's playing great for them down in New Orleans, you know? And so Matthew Thomas, another fun one to watch there in that Florida State defense. Uh, next up, I'm going Big 12. 
I, I, I have to. You, if you, if you follow me at all, you know that I love the Big Twelve. I think it's the silliest conference in the world, and it makes me very happy. And we've got the best Big Twelve matchup to date, in my opinion. In number eight, TCU visiting uh, number five, Oklahoma. TCU hasn't won in Norman in two, uh, since two thousand and five. It's been twelve years, and we've got the the Mayfield Gary Patterson storyline there as well. You know, uh, back when. Mayfield was was going through his recruiting, right? He was he was heavily considering TCU, and then he when he when he switched over and he went to Texas Tech, you know, he kind of had this this um he came out and said that Patterson hung him out to dry, you know, in the last moments before his recruiting, there was some controversy there, and Patterson came out saying that he thought Mayfield was arrogant, that that Mayfield's father was arrogant, and then you know Mayfield's uh, first year at Oklahoma when he's redshirting you know, the transfer year. Uh, the T the TCU offensive coordinator was Tech's old co- offensive coordinator, and after the game, Patterson accused Mayfield of stealing signals from the TCU sideline because he knew some of the calls and he knew some of the signals. So these guys are not the biggest fans of each other, right? And they've been kind of, you know they've they've been talked about it. They've been cordial coming into the game and everything, but. I don't know if I were Patterson, I'd be doing everything I could to not fire Mayfield up because you know we already saw when uh, when they played Texas Tech, Oklahoma did. He wore that shirt, you know that that the, the Tech fans made for him. You know May, Mayfield takes games personally. You know he gets invested, and I think it makes him even more powerful of a player. So I'm expecting Oklahoma to win this thing. I'm not. I, I said it last week when Oklahoma, you know, for the Bedlam matchup, they were playing Oklahoma State. I'm not going to be the guy who assumes Mayfield's going to lose a football game. That's never going to be me. I just you know. I really think here he can start by by gashing a really tough defense and 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 if he can take this game, you know, take the Big 12 championship game, maybe even power his team back into the college football playoffs after that early season, uh, you know, loss there to Iowa State, then you know, I think that'll really shine for for NFL draft evaluators. So, I'm excited. Now, like I said that TCUD is good. First in the country in run defense, they're third in red zone defense, they're seventh uh, uh, third down defense. So we got a lot of situational opportunities to really see Mayfield work. Right, this is a very good defense in those those important parts of the game. Third down in the red zone, they're sixth in, in scoring defense too. So they'll they'll take your turnovers and take them another direction. And, and Mayfield's been pretty good with the football this year, but he made you know a couple of dumb mistakes there in that Oklahoma State game. And I think TCU can make you pay worse. They've got a they have a senior corner in Ranthony Texada, who he's he's a late round guy, but I like him. He's a wide receiver convert. And he he's an interesting guy for me. But my eyes are going to be on a different part of that TCU defense. I'm still trying to figure out Travis Howard. He, he's a linebacker for for the for the Horned Frogs. But uh, I watched TCU against Texas last week, and I, and I'm I'm still just worried about the size. You know, Howard uh, NFL Draft Scout has Howard at 215. Uh, I'd assume he's a little bit closer to 220 uh, by the way that he plays, and I'm sure he's trying to bulk up. And he's got fantastic instincts. He's got excellent range, sideline to sideline. You know, as far as the linebacker goes, he can really move uh, the the blend. You know, aggressiveness, but also patience and, and knowing where to pick his spots is really really good. But the size is a concern. You know, when when he's approached by climbing offensive linemen, when 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 he has to you know exchange power for power in a tight window, he really really struggles. You constantly see him want to wrap around, you know, to duck underneath. He doesn't play behind his hands, and that really really concerns me as far as his linebacker projection. Right? Well, then then you say on the flip side, all right, if he can show excellent coverage skills, then I can work him in. I can make him a matchup negator. Right? I can I can put him up against tight ends and, and, and larger backs that go out into space, and he, he'll be valuable to my team well if, if you're going to draft him for that reason he better show up against mark andrews redshirt junior tight end here you know possibly tight end number one in this class very talented player for oklahoma and he's one of their their main situational players mayfield loves to find him on third down mayfield loves to find him you know when they get into that scoring range kind of 30 yards out maybe 35 yards out you know they like to take some shot plays with him down the seam and, and, and Travis howard will get moved out to cover the most innermost slot receiver in this spread offense that oklahoma plays he'll he'll go out and cover him and that's very often uh, Mark Andrews. And so, uh, you know, Travis Howard, I, I want to love the player. I really do. The, the red flags are sticking out to me. If he can show up against a, a very talented tight end, an NFL-level tight end, then I'll know at least I can get him there on my defense, and that'll make me feel a lot better about drafting him. So Travis Howard, Mark Andrews, that's the battle to watch in Norman this week. Yeah, I, I think this is, like you said earlier, for Baker Mayfield, this is a bigger test than Bedlam. You know, Almost definitely. The, yeah. the magnitude of Bedlam, get it you know it's a big game but from a, a scouting perspective you know this TCU defense really got to Mason Rudolph and, and so we'll see how they get to Baker Mayfield uh, big big game for scouting purposes obviously for the playoff picture you got a couple of one loss big 12 teams going at it so uh, a monumental contest 
I've got another big contest that I want to talk about, and that is Notre Dame traveling to Miami here on Saturday night. And uh, you got undefeated Miami, one loss to Notre Dame, and and someone's gonna have a a, a big a big black hole in their schedule after they after they lose. Someone's gonna lose this football game, and it's gonna it's gonna hurt their season bigly. Um, I, there's a lot of good football players in this matchup. A lot of good NFL talent from Notre Dame. Equinemia St. Brown at wide receiver is is a really good football player. Catch point mm-hmm. guy runs good routes. Uh, they got the the uh, running back Josh Adams. We can talk about those guys, but where my eyes go for this game is this Miami defense against this Notre Dame offense. And, and you know, you look at the left side of that Notre Dame offensive line with Mike McGlinchey and uh, uh, Quentin Nelson. I think Quentin Nelson is going to be a top five player for me in this draft. Mike McGlinchey is going to be a first-round mm-hmm. offensive tackle for me. And uh, McGlinchey has been tested all year long. I mean, he's been through the gauntlet of good pass rushers. He's seen Lorenzo Carter. He's seen Harold Landry. He's seen uh, – Yuchenna Nwosu. He's seen Bradley Chubb. He's seen Duke Ajayafor. Well, this week he sees Joe Joseph. Je- uh, excuse me, Joseph Jackson, who is a sophomore, a true sophomore defensive end for uh, Miami. He plays almost exclusively on the right side, so he's going to be lined up against McGlinchey a ton. And you know, Jackson is a next year guy, but he's special. He's a special yeah. pass rusher. Yep. He's got length. He's got burst. He has bend. He has hand technique. He has power. I mean, he's going to be a guy we're going to talk about as a top half of the first-round guy next year. And, you know, this is just the next big test for McGlinchey. But I think this might be – no, no disrespect to those other guys. This might be the biggest one. You know, considering the implications on the road, you know, you're you're basically playing to keep your spot in the playoffs and going up against a guy like this who is a game-changing type talent. You know, it's going to be huge. Now, look, Mike McGlinchey's played 40 games probably already in his career. So, you know, one game's not going to make or break it. But, you know, from an evaluation standpoint at this point, you know, I'm going to put a lot of stock into how he plays. You know, Miami's defense outside of that is loaded. They've got, uh, you know, on the other side, Chad Thomas, the uh, the senior defensive end, who's it seems like he's more of a five-tech type guy, but he's got a lot of length. He's got a lot of power. Uh, both yep. of their defensive tacklers, tackles are NFL guys, Kendrick Norton and R.J. McIntosh. They're big. They're they're tough to move. So, you know, how those guys stack up against Quentin Nelson will be big for them because we already know what we have in Quentin Nelson. And then these linebackers, man, they're animals. Shaquille Quarterman, Michael yeah. Pickney, Zach McLeod, the way that those guys pursue the football. I mean, Josh Adams, I, hopefully he's healthy from his concussion. You know, he's going to get met in the hole. He's going to be challenged with angles. And uh, those guys are going to bring it. Obviously, this defense is a is a turnover machine. They got the turnover chain for a reason, and and they flaunt it a lot. And uh, you know, you got a guy in Brandon Wimbush at quarterback for Notre Dame who, you know, he seems like he like he's he's susceptible to giving the other team a few. And you you got to think this defense is going to be very hungry. Uh, and the defensive backfield, D. Delaney, I think is is an NFL guy. I'm not sure if he's going to be healthy or not, but. Uh, he's he's shown me some things. I saw them play against Duke, and I thought he was the best corner on the field. And then this safety, Sheldrick Redwine, he's a little small, but he's a hitter, man. He He's an aggressive hitter, and he moves pretty well. So he's a, a safety that... Uh, we don't talk. We haven't talked about him a lot, but he's he's a guy that uh, deserves some pub, and he'll get his chances, you know, pursuing uh, Equinemia St. Brown and coming down into the boundary and and, and trying to make plays on uh, on Josh Adams. So good game from an NFL draft scouting perspective, and a huge game for the uh, college football playoffs. Yeah, this is an exciting one. And, uh, you know, I like the point you brought up with, with D. Delaney. You know, good NFL player is going to be a guy. But if he can't go, then Michael Jackson, who's a junior corner for them, likely takes his place. And when he had to go in Delaney's stead, he, he balled out. He played some good good football and I haven't done any evaluation on him whatsoever but he's a draft eligible guy and he played very very well and so they've got some depth there in Miami too this is this is I think the matchup to watch this week I think if you pick one it's this one I, and and you know Notre Dame Miami used to be the thing man you know like in the 80s and it's fun that it's kind of back this way it, it, this is exciting my la- good no I was gonna say I could, well they just joined the ACC already you know like yeah <laughs> But either way, my uh, my big one for this week is Georgia and Auburn. And uh, I, I dropped this a little bit in the NDT, in the 
Adam, I, I, I'm not afraid to say it here. I think Auburn's got a chance to pull something off here. I really do. And and I'm not, by no means am I saying that I think Auburn's going to pull off the upset, but there's a conversation to be had because Georgia, you know, uh, you know, arguably number one for some people, they, they played some excellent football. They're, they've looked dominant. That defense is absolutely nuts. But really when you, when you go to the schedule, they had, the 20 to 19 win over Notre Dame in Notre Dame. That's a huge one. That's an amazing, amazing win. But I, I scouted that game for NDT scouting, and by in no way, shape, or form was that you know kind of a resounding uh, win. You know that was kind of just you know which team was going to be less ugly in the fourth quarter. You know 20 to 19, it was you know mistakes, it was sloppy field goals, whatever, and so that could have gone a couple of different ways. After that, you know the only other ranked team they faced was a Mississippi State team who was. It was 18, but it was an, an inflated 18 because they beat LSU, and this is when we still thought LSU was kind of good. And so, you know, they weren't really the 18th best team in the nation. Georgia beat them at home soundly. But besides that, it's been Sanford, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Florida. And then they, they you know, they played South Carolina last week and, and, you know, won by 14. But South Carolina, you know, was able to move the football on them pretty well. And so Georgia, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as sold on Georgia as some folks are. And then obviously Auburn, they've got a loss on the road to Clemson, which was a tough game that they played 14 to 6. They played Clemson and tough and then the other loss was to an LSU team that was desperately clawing you know to pull themselves back out you know head coach Orgeron was just trying to get something under his belt you know there were folks calling for him to to be fired and so you know Auburn's lost some tough games against some talented opponents so I think Auburn is a little bit better than, than their number 10 ranking is so uh, you know I, I'm looking here I think you know I think uh, Jared Stidham Auburn quarterback transfer out of Baylor I think he's finally set in the system I think he, he's comfortable playing in that offense now I think he's the best quarterback that that Georgia's faced, you know, I think that that you know Brandon Wimbush when when Notre Dame had him, you know, that second week he was really just running anytime he saw the football. You know, Nick Fitzgerald for Mississippi State was just a run first guy, and then besides that, you know, they haven't really faced terrible or terribly impressive quarterback play. And and Drew Locke from Missouri hung four touchdowns on him. You can throw the football in Georgia, you can do it. It's tough, but it's possible. You know, Stidham's only thrown three picks all year, and Georgia's only picked off the ball eight times. They've played nine games, and so you can, Stidham's good at protecting the football. And I think that you know this Auburn offense has a lot of potential for big plays. You know, over the past six weeks, they've had uh, they've ripped off a play of about of at least forty eight yards in every single game. Right? They, they're very explosive, and they're not afraid to go up tempo. They're not afraid to get speed working on the boundary, and then obviously they can bang the ball away as well. You know, they've got that that dual stable of running backs there, carry on Johnson, Cameron Petaway, who can really do some damage. Obviously, it's tough to run the ball against Georgia, but it's tough to run the ball against Auburn too. Georgia's allowing 3.6, 3.06 yards per carry. Auburn's allowing three point three four. And if Georgia can't run it too successfully, which I think they're going to struggle, then it goes all on the freshman from in a tough, hostile road SEC environment. So this is, I think this is going to be a real big test for Georgia for four quarters, and I'm excited. Prospect-wise, you know, uh, they got a nose tackle, Auburn does, and Dontavious Russell, who I really like. He only sees limited snaps because they rotate a lot. Same thing with their junior defensive end, Jeff Holland. They're a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited about those guys. I talked about Jared Statham a little bit. The big one for me, I'm, I'm so excited. I love trench play. It's got to be uh, Auburn left guard Braden Smith against this Georgia linebacker, Roquan Smith. I mean, how about, these are two players who have me excited, Joe. I mean, I'm just pumped. Roquan Smith, you know, you've heard a lot about him. Insanely instinctive, such a violent player, ridiculously quick, you know, uh, fast to flow, just everything. He's just he's uh, he's an attacker. He's he's just fun. You can tell every single play he wants to take eight people's head off, three yard tackle for loss, strip the ball. He's just he's a killer, and he's so much fun. Now he worries me a little bit because he's two twenty five, right, which is right there, kind of on that threshold where I start to get concerned about him, and, and that concern is exacerbated a little bit because he tends to want to loop around. We talked about this with Azim Victor a little bit. He tends to want to avoid those blocks you know he doesn't want to play behind his hands now Braden Smith is a tackle playing guard right he brother six five three hundred pounds he's got incredible length his hands are insanely powerful which is and, and he's so much fun to watch at the point of attack he builds his house very well in pass protection grip strength off the wall excellent timing I love him as a guard prospect, I think this is a player who I really hope that we get to see him at the Senior Bowl, Joe, because I think that he has the opportunity at the Senior Bowl to take some tackle reps, to show that he can play excellent as tackle. He used to be a tackle robber, and they moved him into guard, kind of shuffling their offensive line around. And, and, and if he can show good tackle ability at the Senior Bowl, I think this is a top three guard in this class, and I think it's a top five tackle in this class, and I think it's a round one player. I'm really excited about Braden Smith. My one biggest concern is how is his mobility in space? What's his hit rate like when he's pulling? Because they pull him a lot, they always run behind him, and he's going to be responsible for finding Roquan Smith in space. 
And that is a tall, tall, tall task. These are two round one players going off against each other and what I think is going to be a nail-biter down to the wire. So I'm psyched for this matchup. And it was, uh, it's nice to hear you talk about Roquan Smith, man. He is a dude. And, uh, oh, I, yeah. I submitted my ballot this week for the Bronco Nagurski Trophy, which is awarded to the, uh, the best defensive player in the nation. And uh, I won't tell you what, which one he was, but he was in my top three. So uh, I yeah, definitely, deservedly so. definitely appreciate what the man has done uh, this season, really flew onto the scene. And, uh, man, he's playing he, – he really kind of stole the show for me in this linebacker group where I was expecting, you know, Jerome Baker and Malik Jefferson to kind of be the guys. And uh, it's mm-hmm. Roquan Smith, man. It's hard to say that he's not playing the best – uh, linebacker of anybody in, in, the, in the nation right now. Uh, ben, you've been a tremendous guest, uh, doing a great job for us and, and certainly did a good job here today to get the people ready for the weekend ahead in college football. Uh, make sure that you guys show my guy, Benjamin Solak, some love on Twitter. Give him that follow. He is at Benjamin Solak. And if you're looking for the type of takes that he brought to the table today in the uh, in the now 280 280- a character form on Twitter, make sure that you are uh, hitting yeah. that follow button because he will bring it to you uh, regularly. I, one of my favorite follows and, and uh, make sure you're doing the same. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast, uh, whatever you listen to it on iTunes, Podbean, blog talk radio, hit the subscribe button, leave us that five star review. Don't leave us any other kind of review, just the five star. If you're thinking about a four star, just don't. Uh, and uh, we certainly appreciate that. And uh, you can follow along with NDT scouting on Twitter at NDT scouting LLC. Kyle will be back with me on Monday. We'll talk about our scouting trips for the weekend and all the, uh, all the storylines from the weekend that will develop in what should be a very fun weekend in college football. We will be back again for you on Monday. I'm signing off for Benjamin Solak. This is Joe Marino. And thanks for listening to the draft dudes podcast. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.